the theme for the evening talk is uh, awareness and uh, revenge. Um, uh, one of the uh, retreatants you mentioned this afternoon briefly uh, his uh, fact of living in uh, Washington, uh, D.C. And uh, it reminded me uh, briefly of uh, a visit which I made there for the first time, in fact, uh, last September. And in visiting uh, there, I uh, was there just for a three or four day period. And the purpose of the visit was in relationship to the uh, rather terrible plight of the people of Cambodia. So a documentary film was being uh, made. And a very close and dear friend of mine, the Venerable Maha Gosananda, who is a patriarch of uh, Cambodia, was in uh, Washington. And while in uh, uh, Washington, we both went to the National uh, Museum there, where for the first time the uh, wonderful and breathtaking uh, art of uh, Angkor Wat was for the first time being uh, shown um, uh, outside of Cambodia. And part of the purpose of the visit was in fact for myself for a uh, public broadcasting program to uh, interview Venerable Maha Goshananda. We were in the same monastery together for uh, several years and to meet with uh, Cambodian uh, uh, people as part of the anti-personnel mine uh, uh, campaign which has had such a terrifying uh, effect in that country. And uh, while, while there, we were on the, sitting on the steps in a small uh, uh, demonstration at uh, Capitol Hill with uh, the media uh, present. And this was part of the further expression of the campaign to end uh, uh, the use of anti-personnel mines, which many countries in the world um, agreed to, uh, except uh, I think US, uh, China, um, uh, Russia, I think, agreed later, etc. And the Venerable Mahago Shenanda, who says very, very uh, uh, little, but when he says uh, something, it's usually very uh, clear and to the point. And so he was invited to come up to the microphone. He's a, been a monk since he was a teenager. He's in his uh, 70s. And he was asked to give some response to this number of uh, anti-personnel landmines that are all over this world. And he said very, very quietly and very, very uh, gently, he said, uh, the landmines which are anti-personnel mines, as you would call it here, which are in the ground, began in our own mind. They started in our mind, and then they went from our mind into the ground. And therefore, we have to uproot not only the anti-personnel mines in the ground, but also those that are in our own mind. And the media started shuffling forward to get more out of him, and he just bowed to them. He, he said, rather un 
just said, Amen. And <laughs> <laughs> this could have been spelled A-H-M-E-N, of course. Um, and uh, 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 came and uh, uh, sat down with others uh, uh, participating. And, and I um, men mention all, all of this uh, in, in so far as the acknowledgement and the recognition again of outer circumstances of life and the manifestations of them and just how much of it to an extraordinary degree has a bearing and an influence of who and what we are and especially who and what we identify with. And during the days here, as you've been listening to uh, teachings and practices, meditations and reflections, uh, we have attended, attempted to address this inner life and the way that the inner life manifests outwardly. And therefore, at times, of course, the attending to the inner life of the emotions and the feelings, the way thoughts and feelings work together or don't work together, the way uh, the inner life affects what we do, our priorities, our values, our livelihood, our personal circumstances, our health or whatever. And also the relationship to past, present and future. In these various areas we have attended, uh, attempted to address. And in all, all of that, in various ways, one of the key feature or features of all of this is noticing the tendency towards holding, towards identification with, and towards clinging to, and the extraordinary impact and importance that these particular things, holding, clinging, identifying with, and how it sets up for each and every person who's caught up in that a very distorted view of life and of oneself and of one's relationship to others. And when there is that distortion and that clinging and that holding and all the self-righteousness that goes along with it, very easily, once again, even if one doesn't feel it, this is important here, even if one doesn't feel it, the forms of revenge can be at work and it seems to me that there's very little or an inadequate exploration going on in our life and in inner life both personally, socially and politically about the way that revenge grossly and subtly and sometimes insidiously is influencing our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with others and our view of things and how much revenge is actually in there. And the characteristic of revenge, the, 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 the manifestation of it, the demonstration uh, of it, is the desire to hurt. And this, as I say, grossly and subtly, in day-to-day -day life, at many levels and in many arenas uh, of life, is actually affecting and influencing what we say, what we do, what we think, the way we are, and the impact upon others. And it takes a lot of clarity and certainly a lot of inner work 
to notice, as I said, whether it's gross or subtle, the way that revenge can be the underlying influence bearing on numerous decisions uh, that we make. And there's a need, personally and, and socially and politically, to actually bring this potency, to bring awareness to this particular thing of revenge, and to actually accelerate the consequences of it by bringing this to the foreground of perception. How destructive and damaging and harmful uh, this is. And to take the outer circumstances for uh, a moment, there was a request not to mention um, uh, Bill Clinton, but uh, for the second time, uh, mention will be made. And um, small compensation, is it? Won't be for more than two more years. And so you will all know, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm sure, of course, of the uh, awful and terrible uh, events that uh, took place in two uh, African uh, countries where there was this uh, street bombing and uh, literally hundreds of people died and people who uh, were terribly uh, uh, burnt and cut and torn to pieces, hospitalized, uh, uh, etc. And all of that has the uh, wretched implication, obviously, of uh, revenge again for other interpreted or actualized uh, hurts. And it, this goes on again and again and again. And it leads itself to more suffering, obviously. And sometimes in all of this, there is something quite primal, you know, in, a, in, a, in the most unhealthy way, which seeks to support it or to uh, justify it uh, in some way or other. And so what happened as the warnings were given and as you will have known even before uh, arriving here on the retreat uh, last, uh, last uh, weekend that there would be reprisals. And thus uh, the day before uh, yesterday the reprisals took place. And this was uh, through the uh, authorization uh, of the uh, United States uh, uh, President to send 75 cruise uh, missiles, um, one, uh, some of them into a, a suburb of Khartoum, the capital of Sudan, where the allegations were made that a pharmaceutical uh, uh, factory making uh, um, um, medicines was also uh, being used as some kind of terrorist uh, armaments place. And so the uh, newspapers, in this case, and uh, of course have reported this uh, extensively. It has certainly shifted the personal matters of the president of the headlines and it has placed this firmly and squarely in the headlines. Further attack was also made on a, a rural uh, settlement in uh, uh, another country in Afghanistan where uh, allegations are made that this was a training camp for terrorists. Mm -hmm. 
number of deaths seems to be in the region of uh, uh, 30 to 40 with these two places and of course those horrendous hospital pictures of people who have been uh, uh, terribly uh, burnt uh, and through the, through and, and bombed and one sees it again this reaction uh, takes place and the New York Times communicates it US cruise missiles strike Sudan and Afghan target, targets tied to the terrorist network. Precisely, it should be, it is claimed. So, one wonders the mobilization of this with, I have to say, of course, um, widespread public support here, national security is at stake, uh, etc. And all the reasonings and the terrible rationalizations which take place in all of this. But, and therefore, one, since it's now infuriated the international uh, Muslim uh, community, one only anticipates more revenge. And so it will go. So uh, uh, yesterday, as a, uh, as a small act of um, letter of uh, protest, and I'm sure many, many letters were sent to the New York Times uh, over the last days, as they have been, in fact, um, on uh, these various uh, matters. And small way, I, I wrote as uh, vigorous um, a protest as I, as I could. And I just want to uh, uh, read, 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 it, read it to you. This is the letter to the, uh, for publication in the New York Times. Dear Editor, President Clinton ordered the U.S. Air Force to launch 75 cruise missiles in a suburb of Khartoum, the capital of Sudan, and in a rural camp in the heart of Afghanistan. Under international law, all those suspected of crimes and acts of terror have the right to trial, no matter how obscene the act. For the U.S. President to launch airstrikes against specific targets in two poverty-stricken countries amounts to a case as an international war crime. There may have been some debate about impeachment of President Clinton for allegations of lying under oath, but this airstrike, sanctioned by your president, deliberately, re deliberately rejects all civilized principles of the rule of law. I believe it would be a long time before the international Muslim community forgives the USA. I urge the people of the USA to persuade your elected representatives to impeach President Clinton for sponsoring this act of state terrorism. That's what I thought. Just livid. And I'm sure many other thoughtful people will be uh, uh, as well, and putting an increasing number of lives of people, of US citizens around the world at risk even more so, as well as many other citizens there may agree or disagree or whatever, but underlying point, underlying principle in all of this, that it stinks of revenge. It's unmistakable reaction to it, in, even in the cold light of intellectualizations. There. Yet, even though we talk of principles and talk of ethics and morality and the rule of law and civilized behavior, sometimes it seems from many quarters, all too shallow, and the lack of commitment. That means for us, in looking at ourselves, 
there is an example, perhaps one of the grossest forms noticeable from our uh, leaders. And you say, what's more subtle? How, how might this be manifesting in ways in my own life? So easy, isn't it, for us to write a letter, to point the uh, finger el elsewhere. But actually looking at outwardly and then looking inwardly so that we never make too big a gap and therefore at least there's some humility and some awareness about the ways that shows itself. So sometimes in the very activities of the meditations themselves, either from oneself or from, from another, perhaps as an example and not uncommon at all, one has been in a relationship with somebody, started off sweet, most of them do, and, uh, and then there's a passage of time which is taking place, and the usual and all to human circumstances, differences begin to get established. And in the differences, the holding begins to get established. The identification with the circumstances and one's position begins to get uh, uh, established. And from that holding and that identification uh, with that, there's a solidification of the view. And the self has comes in with a certain self-righteousness in those periods in time. And then the action begins to reveal the revenge. It's actually showing the revenge. The revenge might uh, be um, holding back something. Money is a common, common one. And having a separation and then the divorce is going through. And so the holding back of money, making it really difficult for the other person, uh, not willing to be fair, not willing to show any justice, not willingness to show any uh, principles, the holding on is going on, the rationalizations are infecting it there, and basically it's revenge. Sometimes parents or a parent does it with the children. I'll let you see the kids once a month, at a weekend, not out of any real love for the for the children. Fathers are caring and and and, and, and loving uh, father. And on the retreats, I have to say, over the years, many situations, in this kind of circumstances, more often men, I have to say, who have been in tears, weeping, absolutely distressed and sobbing, through the lack of opportunity to. Uh, for access to their children. And so often the law is so prejudiced uh, in, this, in this way as well. And so then, what, what's actually going on in the emotional life is holding. What's the holding? What's producing? It's producing revenge. One hurts the other by holding back access to children. This pattern of revenge easily feeds its, feeds its uh, way in to uh, various circumstances. I, one person um, uh, uh, on, a, on a retreat in a business situation and two men had been very, very close friends. 12, 15 years had been, uh, had been uh, working together. And in the course of the business, some distance began, began to 
uh, set up uh, uh, between them, some, some distance bet uh, between them. The outcome uh, uh, of that was that one was, grand was using money for other things, for, for other debts, not informing the partner. And it seems that they'd, he'd been hurt by what had happened previously in the business where they had disagreements. So in come ta strategy, tactic, ways to hurt another human being, holding back, withdrawing, keeping back. And we can do this in our relationship with, with, with each other. Sometimes we... We go cold. We don't want to speak to the to other person. The other person needs um, needs to speak to us. It's something that needs to be talked about. And the mind is again in its holding position, and so we hold back from the communication. And we know, if we're in touch with ourselves, that in the act of holding back, it's to make the other person feel uncomfortable, to get them upset, to get them angry, to get them disappointed to make them feel bad, to make them feel they're guilty, they've done something wrong. Revenge. And not able to deal with the feeling of being hurt. Not able to deal with disappointment. Not able to deal with the loss of expectations. So the revenge emotion, the revenge factor comes in. Makes the other person's life very, very difficult. And we hardly know we're doing it. Sometimes we don't, we say, oh, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not revenge. It's just, uh, I don't want to talk. <laughs> I, there's nothing to be said. We've been through all this before, or whatever. But actually, underneath it, underneath it all, other factors are going on. Sometimes one simply wants to make the other person's life difficult. Holding is in there, obviously. Clinging is in there. What are we going to do to have enough awareness to see what this goes on? Because if you and I can't sort these issues out in our own life, what hope for these politicians? What hope for these people who have no understanding of the inner life, who have no way of looking at it, who are simply on the receiving end of all of their conditioning and that's all they know and all they will ever know. And that's why they can, without even a moment regret nor any deep remorse, go in and, and bob, bomb the suburb of some poor, poverty-stricken place and then spend giving out all the reasons till... Um, uh, the obedient nod comes from the vast majority of the people. Why? No respect for ethics, no respect for the rule of law, no respect for civilised awareness and accountability. We can't expect any more from them. But we can expect something from each other and, and work to uh, change that there. Sometimes. But I, when I sent to the um, um, uh, New York Times a uh, piece which I give out at retreats, at some of the retreats in various places, and it's a uh, 
what I called um, a people's uh, peace treaty. It says, I vow to observe and respect the following. This is in relationship to the outer world. I vow to dissociate myself completely from any distraction of life, including all acts of war, acts of terror, and executions. I will not support any declarations of war initiated by my country or any other that I support. I vow not to attack or abuse other groups of people, nations, majorities, minorities, or individuals. I vow to give support to organizations and groups working for peace, justice, political, economic, and environmental rights. I vow to work to end suffering perpetuated through corruption, fear, greed, or violence. I vow to persuade governments, the military, arms manufacturers, and arms dealers to lay down their weapons and kill the desire for gain and hate inside of themselves. I vow to see people rather than the labels attached to people and to be aware of our common humanity. I vow to work to end anger, aggression or fear within myself as an expression of duty to humanity. Sometimes in life we need to make reflections and quiet vows and quiet uh, uh, commitments uh, to ourselves so that the core principle in Dharma teachings is first and last. A, there is suffering. B, it's, there are causes. C, there's a resolution. And D, there's the way to the resolution. And one says, that matters in all human experience. Four noble truths. And identification with the nation state, identification with the group, clinging to this, can never in any way be such if it affects the nature of the four noble truths. In other words, there is nothing in terms of loyalty which, which is a positive feeling which when gets exaggerated easily and quickly in the emotional life becomes aggression. Think of situations in life where you're close, close to your nation. Love of one's nation, connected with the nation. One may have a view that the nation is mostly right, but occasionally wrong, or whatever in its outlook. We may have it with each other as well. And one, one is loyal to one's family. One is loyal to one's siblings. But have you noticed at times, that sometimes in the loyalty and in the association, when something might happen, how quickly the rage can come. If he or she does this to my child, I will. There's a loyalty there. There's a love there. There's a connection there. But somewhere in the feeling life, how quickly something, reaction can come. And reaction comes as a revenge. But it's got a relationship to the loyalty. It's got a relationship to what we've become without wisdom very closely identified with. Sometimes we say, the stopping of suffering comes first. We always say, the stopping of suffering comes first and it's more important than clinging to one's identification with any group, any organization, 
anything anyway. And this has been reflected again in our days and hours that we've had here together in the, in the inquiries as well. Don't speak of outer circumstances, but sometimes we, we look and we're aware of the problems within the structure. Been referred to in different ways in the days, in the small groups, etc. What is it that to bring an awareness to it all that somehow we find skillful ways to make changes? And some of you in the time and the hours here very wisely and appropriately have been engaged in very some serious and important reflections in this. I, um, you'll, you'll see on the table tomorrow one or two things uh, 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 this is called a daily meditation let us be still for a few moments without moving even our little finger so that a hush dip descends upon us there would be no place to go, nor to come from. For we would have arrived in this extraordinary moment. There would be a stillness and silence that would fill all of our senses, where all things would find their rest. Everything would then be together in a deep connection, putting an end to us and them this against that. We would not move in these brief moments, for that would disturb this palpable presence. There would be nothing to be said nor done, for life would embrace us in this wondrous meeting and take us into its arms as a loving friend. Sometimes in such quiet meditations and uh, reflections and that came out of a, a meditation of mine some time ago, that in the stillness of a few moments, it may not seem to have any great relevance to our personal relationships, our social relationships, our political relationships, our international relationships, or, or whatever. And sometimes it can be hard in the quietitude of one's own being, of that sense of the web of interconnectedness, to see how that runs through every area of life and therefore affecting the thinking of every area of life. Just by taking a, a few minutes. Just for some stillness, in which there is a sense there of a palpable silence which fills our senses and a deep sense of interconnectedness, which can get so established. We're not us against them, but we know we're with the people in Khartoum. We, we, we know that we're with the perpetuators of it. We know that in that dualism in that dynamic, there's terrible suffering taking place. 
and we know that the factors which contribute to it and therefore we respond to it as best and as poorly as we can. And our mind isn't charged with hate and it isn't charged with revenge. And that sense of interconnectedness has got to be weaving in the day-to-day life. So if any of us in the hall this evening just in the listening and just can think of one person in one's life that one knows there is, there is revenge going on. I refuse to have anything, anything more to do with. I'm never going to see them again. As soon as this retreat is over they're going to get such a I'm going to telephone them I hope I get the answer machine so I can really say what I want to say. <laughs> Sometimes we need to stop. Forget the labels. Forget the history transferring itself from the past onto the present and onto the future. And look again at it. About anybody. Sometimes it's parents and brothers and sisters and children and grandparents and and relatives and, and friends or whatever. And it can keep weaving and corrupting its way into our life. And if we don't, then we're just talking theory about inter- inter- interconnectedness and the web of existence and, and being in touch with our common humanity, which the Buddhists call being in touch with our Buddha nature. If, there, if the, this potency of holding and revenge goes out of our, our life, it affects all levels of thought in a really healthy and liberating way. Daily meditation, daily reflection. I vow to remember, as you see I'm rather keen on vows today, I vow to remember that today is a new day, full of new beginnings and fresh moments. Today, I will not cling to events of yesterday nor yesteryear, but stay connected with what today brings. I will not madly pursue my desires at the expense of others, nor flee from challenging tasks. I will remain true to the unfolding process of today without losing myself in thoughts of what was or what might be. I will treat today with awareness and sensitivity even in the most ordinary of tasks. I will apply myself wholeheartedly to the fullness of today for I know that today holds the resource for authenticity. I know that today holds the resource for authenticity. May all beings live with awareness. May all beings see deeply into the feeling life. May all beings be utterly liberated from all clinging and holding.
Let's have a couple of quiet minutes together, shall we please? Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.